Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This upcoming January, the United States will celebrate the 153rd anniversary of Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. That proclamation freed three million slaves from the states of the Confederacy. Since then, there have been many people of different races and religions who have made famous speeches about injustice to human beings and fighting for their civil rights. One of the most famous men to champion civil rights was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. As I say that name, you might hear familiar words echoing in the back of your mind from his famous speech, his I Have a Dream speech, those closing words, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty I am free at last. And I want to stop and make a distinction because Dr. Martin Luther King, the civil rights champion for black Americans, is a different person than Martin Luther, the German monk who lived 500 years ago. I want to point that out because I'm going to talk about both of them in this message. So Martin Luther, German monk, Dr. Martin Luther King, civil rights champion. Since Dr. Martin Luther King said those famous words, There have been great strides made in regards to civil liberty here in America. But here and throughout the world, Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation has yet to be fully realized. Slavery is still around. It just goes by different names. And if you don't believe me, here are some statistics to prove the point. There are an estimated 30 million slaves across the world and they and their families are affected by human trafficking. So it does go by a little different name. The buying and selling of these people brings in an estimated $32 billion annually. Of those 30 million people, 78% of them are forced into hard labor, and the remaining 22% are bought and sold in prostitution rings. Hmm. When I read those statistics, I was really caught off guard because I was under the impression that slavery was a thing of the past as of 153 years ago. It's shocking to hear that there are 30 million people and their families that are all affected by slavery. Just a a horrible, terrible epidemic that I hope meets its end soon. But what if I told you that 30 million is far too small an estimate? What if I told you that the whole world is populated with nothing but slaves? What if I told you that a slave was preaching to you right now? And this slave is preaching to a room full of slaves. And if you don't believe me there, I have pretty good authority backing me up on this too. Because Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 34, that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. This terrible slavery has been around ever since Adam and Eve first desired to go against God's will. 
And that slavery now chains every person in the world who has ever lived. But it's not outer shackles, iron-clad shackles that are on our wrists or on our ankles. It's a slavery of our heart that we feel inside of us each and every day. But my hope for today is that after you hear one Bible passage and a few uncomfortable statistics, is that you don't tune me out. Give the Holy Spirit 20 minutes of your focus. And let the Holy Spirit work in your heart to help you see the truth about your slavery. And the Spirit will help you realize that knowing that truth about your slavery is the first step in joining Dr. Martin Luther King in saying that you will be free at last. When you hear terrible statistics like numbers of slaves, whether it was back in Abraham Lincoln's day, today, or projections for the future, it becomes really easy to see the severity of the situation. It's not right, it's not good for people to have their basic human rights taken away, the rights that God wants them to have. But the real danger comes when we brush over how serious our situation is in dealing with our own inner slavery. Jesus knows the danger that our inner slavery brings. And that's what causes him to open the discussion at the beginning of our reading. John 8, verses 31 and 32. It reads, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, Jesus knows something about his audience. He knows that they are chained in slavery because of their sin. And he wants to give them a new identity away from that sin. And the strange irony is that these men don't even realize that they're Sinner, that they're, that they're slaved. They don't recognize that they need that freedom. The one who had come to give them freedom was standing right there in front of them and that wasn't enough for them to see the need for their freedom. Isn't that interesting? Listen to their response in verse 33. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say then that we shall be set free? The original text has a little different flavor that can't quite be grasped in in any English translation without sounding not English. What they actually say is, Abraham's descendants we are. And it sounds silly, it sounds foolish, but the reason they say it that way is because these people want to put as much emphasis as they can on where they came from. They're not concerned about having a new identity. They already have their identity. They already have their freedom figured out because their DNA is their ticket to freedom. So they don't need Jesus' help. And then they say something that's pretty shocking. They say they've never been slaves to anyone. Apart from being slaves to sin, Do they just happen to forget that the Roman authorities are occupying their lands as they speak? 
Did they just happen to forget nations like Egypt, Babylon, Assyria, and Persia? All nations that enslaved the nation of Israel throughout their history? What, what pride and, and self-righteousness and arrogance they have. Nothing. Not even the Savior of the world offering true freedom to them. Not even that could pry them away from their pride and self-righteousness. And so now, because of all the pride and self-righteousness that goes on outside these walls, we're going to get after those religions that reject Jesus. We're going to point out all of their faults and all of their shortcomings in their path to salvation. But before I do that, I want to point out Jesus' reply to them from verse 34. And I actually read this just a few minutes ago. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. If you think you're not included in that, our first reading today confirmed that you are. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That means me. That means the people in John 8 that Jesus is speaking to, and that means you. And so, no, we're not going to talk about all the people out there who get it wrong because we have enough to worry about in here today. Jesus offers the same thing to us as he offers the people in John 8. He offers us a new identity. He offers us a, a, a freedom because he wants to jar us free from any sinful thought that we have that says we can do something to get to heaven. He wants to pry us from our pride that says we're good enough to get to heaven on our own, that we can rely on ourselves to get there. And those, those sinful thoughts, when Jesus says those things to us, part of us hates to hear it. Just like the Jews in, in John 8 hated to hear it. Because our pride wants to get to heaven on its own. And so when Jesus tells us that we are slaves to sin, that sinful, prideful part of us wants nothing to do with it. In fact, it hates that Jesus says it. I found an interesting saying. It's a proverb, not from the Bible, but from an anonymous source that says, the truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. And so our pride wants to just tune out Jesus when he says, everyone is a slave to sin. Our pride doesn't want to hear that it's fallen short of God's glory. All we want to hear is that we've done okay so far. We've done all right. We could make it to heaven if we really tried. But that wouldn't be the truth. We have to accept the truth that we are sinners, even if we hate it. Because the fact that we hate it doesn't make Jesus' words any less true. The truth 
about how lost and enslaved we are in our sin is what haunted the German monk, Martin Luther. Not the civil rights activist. The German monk, Martin Luther. See, he hated the truth. Because the truth that he was told was that he had to work to get his way to heaven. He had to earn his freedom. So if he worked and worked and worked hard enough, God would look down and smile upon those good works and grant him entrance into heaven. The problem for Luther is that his works weren't working. He was stuck. And the more he tried to prove his, his allegiance to God and work for his salvation, the more aware he became of how enslaved he was in his sin. And he saw that there, there had to be something more. But that something more wouldn't come from him. Something more would come from outside of Martin Luther. In his eyes, no one had worked harder to please God than he did. No one had slaved harder to get out of slavery than Martin Luther had. And yet there was no relief to the grief that he felt. Martin Luther was no longer committed to this clouded truth that he was told throughout his life. That clouded truth was really no truth at all. And he felt that if he continued to try to work his way into heaven, he would never get there. Jesus' words in verse 35 of our reading confirm Luther in what his feelings were. Jesus said, A slave has no permanent place in the family. And so it is with anyone who tries to earn a spot in heaven. You will keep grasping and reaching and going towards that goal, but it will be a goal that you can never reach on your own. You will reach the end of yourself and be forced to say, I'll never make it to God's kingdom, into God's family on my own. I'm just too sinful. Understanding the truth about how enslaved and lost we are And understanding the truth that we will never get to God on our own is only the first part of the truth. And as the famous news anchor Walter Cronkite once said, in seeking the truth, you have to make sure you get both sides of a story. Now I understand that Walter Cronkite was talking about reporting the news, but we can take good from it all the same. So far, we have one side of the truth, that we are slaves to sin. But if I stopped here, if I said amen and we went into our confession of faith, I would deprive you of the truth that Jesus wants you to hear. We know that Jesus did not stop there. What he says next in verse 35 gives us true relief. It starts to loosen the chains of slavery on us because he says, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. You see, Jesus never intended for you to be a slave. He never intended for anybody to be a slave to sin. What he wants for you and for all people is to be a child of God. 
He wants you to join King David in the end of Psalm 23 to say, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The truth that he says will set you free. Jesus wants you to be a child of God so that you can feel the freedom that only God's children feel. It's the drive that Jesus had for all people to be free that also drove him to the cross. The cross where he gave up his life for you. Where he took the chains off, put him up, took your chains off and put them on himself and he, he gave up his life. The very Son of God died for you, a slave, so that you'd, you would no longer be a slave, but you would move into God's house permanently as his own child. Before Jesus did that, he gave us his teaching. He gave his teaching to his disciples and it was passed down to us 2,000 years later. And we can really sum up that teaching in one simple word. Love. That's it. Love is what has freed you. John 3.16, one of the most famous Bible passages in the world, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, when Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, he wasn't just teaching love, he was showing love. It was the greatest show of love that anyone could make in the history of the world. And he did it so that he could free you from your slavery of sin. We are no longer legally slaves. Jesus' sacrifice was the emancipation proclamation to the slave master Satan. You are no longer slaves. You are heirs of eternal life with him forever. Jesus says so. Jesus says you are free in verse 36 of the, te- of the reading. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now I know that there are times in life, I know because I've experienced them, there will be times that the freedom doesn't seem to be yours. You don't feel very free. But I'm here to assure you that no matter what chain you feel is weighing you down, Jesus has broken that chain. He has freed you from everything. When you feel the weight of guilt because of your sin, remember that Jesus' love covers over a multitude of sins. There is nothing he has not forgiven. When you've hurt someone or someone has hurt you so badly that you can barely stand to look at yourself in the mirror, remember Jesus' teaching. Jesus will break the chain of sin's shame every day because he loves you. When you are tempted to go back and put on the chains of slavery, slavery to sin again and again, you can look to Jesus for help. And he gives you the power and the freedom to say no to that temptation. Jesus has broken the chain of sin's power. And when death comes to your door, when it comes into your life, when Jesus calls you or your loved one to heaven, you have nothing to fear. Because Jesus has made death merely an escape from this sin-filled world 
into the heavenly mansion prepared for you, where you get to permanently be part of God's family. Jesus has broken the chain of sin's death. No matter what it is, what is weighing you down today or throughout the last year or month, Jesus has broken that chain and you are free from it. That freedom, that joy over the freedom that Christ won for us is what helped Martin Luther understand that he was free from all the chains that he felt through his life. And he wanted to tell the whole world about it. So he worked tirelessly to get the word out to as many people as he could. And as he did that, he showed Jesus' love to the world. The church, long before Luther was even born, had fallen back into the slavery of sin and slavery to the law. They put the chains back on, but God used Luther to restore the freedom of the gospel to all Christians everywhere. God restored the freedom of Christ, the same freedom that Christ himself talks about here in John 8. That's why this is the sermon text for today. And I'm preaching on it because we still need to be reminded of that truth. We still need to be reminded of that freedom that we have each and every day. Whether you're hearing it from me or you're seeing it as you read through the Bible on your own. Without Jesus' truth, without Jesus reminding us of that freedom, we would run back to our chains and constantly be enslaved by our sin. But Jesus constantly frees you. Children of God, Jesus is your spiritual emancipator. His love is the master key that has set you free and will continually set you free from your sinful chains. Continue in his teaching now so that you are reminded of your freedom just as often as you re-enslave yourself in sin. And when Jesus comes to take you to himself, take you into the heavenly mansion that he's been preparing for you, you will finally be able to echo the words of the civil rights champion, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and you'll be able to talk about true freedom, both outer and inner. Because you and all God's people will be able to say in heaven, by grace, by Jesus' love, that you are free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, you will be free at last. Amen.